The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. All right, it's another film study for week six. We're going to talk about the offense and the fact that they put up 30 points once again. Ken McCusick, how you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm all good. Weather's great down here in Florida. Weather's great up there, I'm seeing. Yep, 74, so, good dog walking weather, no complaints. It's all good, and we got Coach with us. Coach Evans, how's the weather out there? Doing well? It's doing fine. We're um, not far from you guys and had a good day at practice today, probably like 82, 83. Um, a little overcast that time, so it was a great day. Coach, we're, we're so thrilled to have you back again for the first time this year. You, you've, you've been absent for way too long. 
but uh, one of our favorite guests, obviously. We're really happy. Your YouTube channel, Sip to Tally Films. That's correct. The Sip, the number two films. It's, it's Sip to Tally, right? Yeah, Sip to Tally, yeah, yeah. the number two. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. And um, also on Instagram, too, it's Sip to Tally Films. So I yeah. try to keep it close to the same thing. Well, you said you're on YouTube and Instagram. You on TikTok now too? Oh no! With those videos, save, come on. Save gotta, that for the kids. <laughs> Keep up with the young kids. No, save that for the kiddos. Okay, and sip to tally. I've seen this on the on the uh, cloth uh, framed item in the back there. Mm-hmm. But sip is for Mississippi. Yes. S I P and two, two the, for, for two, and, right. and tally is Tallahassee, where you are right. now. Yeah, okay. Correct. All right, and and coach, if if you haven't heard him on the show before, is a uh, high school football coach. Correct. There. What kind of school do you coach at? Uh, uh, public school. Well, we were five A public school in Tallahassee. Okay, and you guys had some success recently. Yeah, we got to the second, third round of the playoffs last year, and um, we auto, we're automatically in the playoffs this year because every school in Florida did not decide to play football. Huh. So you you had an opt in date. So even if we lose all six of our games, but right now we're two and one. But even if we lost all six of our regular season games, we automatically have we're in the playoffs. We already have a site and everything where we're going because a lot of schools opted not to play. That's that's great news. Uh, yeah. Well, not for the, all the teams that are not playing, but great news for. I wish there. Major League Baseball would have done that this year. <laughs> it would have been fun. And the Orioles could have had a one-game playoff against the Yankees, say. And <laughs> hey, one game—you never know what happens. Never know. Um, Coach, last week we did a show about all the COVID protocols the Ravens are dealing with in the NFL. How's that going with high school football? Well, and like I was speaking, you know, off camera, we're we're doing pretty much anything we can to to help out with it and to prevent it. Like I, I told you guys earlier, we have coaches on the sideline with a hand sanitizer and wiping down um, whatever surfaces the kids may get close to or use. The uh, our trainers or the young ladies that help out with the water, they they touch their own bottles. The player's not allowed to touch them. They, so they're basically giving, you know, guys water, like you said in the NFL, the trainers would do, because the guy's not allowed to, like, grab the bottle and, and, and chug them like that. So we're and we're just doing a bunch of different things. The, anything that we can think of that would help out so we can continue to play, that's what we're doing. Good to hear. I hope that really works out, uh, Coach. Let's talk a little bit about the, about the Ravens and the Eagles now. Move forward here. Um, are you concerned more about the defense's uh, inability to close this game out? Some of the, some of the failures in terms of picking off the balls that they had or recovering fumbles, and they had a bunch of balls that were loose on the ground or in their hands. Both of those they didn't they didn't close on. Or are you more concerned at this point about the offensive line and how they played? And in my opinion, is the offensive line because if we could have sustained drives, we wouldn't have been in those situations to even give up those points. Sustaining yeah. drives and controlling the clock. And even though we won time possession by almost 10 minutes, it, it feels like we didn't because, you know, they had the ball and were moving so fast in that second half, you know, as far as scoring and whatnot. Yeah, they sure did. They, in that fourth quarter, they were they were moving right up and down the field. Um, Ravens are at the bye now. And I guess a broad general question I'll have for you is, what do you hope that the Ravens get sorted out over the bye, whether it's acquisitions, positional switches, getting healthy, what what are you looking for over this bye? Uh, two things, to solidify right tackle, right guard, well, whoever it is, just solidify and have five guys so they can start to gel as we get down the stretch run and to find out what we're going to do with Miles Boykin. 
Okay, Miles Boykin. Okay, so that means that we're getting another receiver. Um, I, I've got a third thing to add to that. I think the Ravens need to find a slot cornerback, and I know we're, ta- we're not talking about that tonight, but mm-hmm. a slot corner would allow Humphrey to move back outside. It would be an extra cornerback of depth. I think it's probably easier to find that guy than an aircraft carrier outside corner mm-hmm. who would be one more guy, and it also really fits their needs more. And that would allow Jimmy Smith, hopefully, to, to maintain flexibility to play either safety or corner. Um, I still feel like Jimmy is too valuable as a corner to allow him to play safety, but they're doing it, and mm-hmm. he's been good. So I don't know what to what to do here other than just pray he won't get hurt. Yeah, especially with Avery being hurt. Mm-hmm. But um, Deshaun is has held his own. Matter of fact, that's who I was working on. You know, when I stopped to help you record, working on Deshaun Elliott. Yeah, he's been outstanding. I, I think we've seen it all from him, and we're not going to spend too much time on this, but range on the back end, the playmaking ability, certainly mm-hmm. second man of the ball skills. You know, I'm not too concerned about the fact that he dropped the interception. He's going to get many more interception opportunities. The guy knows where to be on a football field, chasing down the 74-yard run, knocking that ball loose. Really special play. Just happened to go the, the Eagles' way, but hey, it was a it was a nice coin flip play to get at the end of a <laughs> play where they were at the five yard line. So right, all right. And you guys missed the other thing that the Orioles front office has to work on, or Ravens front office during the bye week, is working out with the mayor to get some fans in the game for coming off the bye week. And now we did get a, a email, email. PSL holders did yes. saying. We've, we've got an opportunity to buy tickets. And I, I sent yes. mine in and said I want to do it, and they haven't contacted me yet. Well, there's a, there's a footnote in there that they are working on getting permission to have fans in. So the governor has given approval. They now need the mayor to give approval, and they're trying to get 7,000 fans in for the Steelers game. Yeah, I think they got approval to sell the Steelers tickets, but not necessarily to have the fans there. Right. Meaning they'll just have to refund the money the way they would for a playoff yes. game or whatever they didn't get played. Right. So it's it's uh, at least we're at that point, and I just want to hear tomorrow that I got some Steelers tickets, and <laughs> and uh, uh, it's a it's a very difficult thing to figure out because you can ask for anywhere between two and six tickets, but I tried to call them and ask them, am I better off asking for six, and and that'll give me any option of five, four, three, or two, if the six is not available, and they said if you only want two tickets, just go for two tickets, and I'm like, well, don't mind taking a chance, but just. Tell right. me what is going to maximize my chances, and she really didn't know, and I couldn't I, it, go any further than that. Right. It sounds like two would probably maximize your chances because it's not like they have certain sections of six, certain sections of two. Yes, they do. They have certain sections of six and certain sections of two. Well, so they, are, they, are they already defined, or yes. is it once the tickets yeah. are sold? I, I read they're, they're, they're selling them in groups like that. Predefined okay. pods of pods. two to six. Yep. Yep. Okay. See, I thought that they were saying you could buy two to six, and then they would group you afterwards. So, Not as I understand uh, it. Gotcha. All right. So you're going to have to sit with, find six people that you're comfortable with sharing COVID with. That's exactly <laughs> it. So I have to, have to really be careful about that. Right. Uh, Maureen right. is extremely sensitive about this, too. So it's a, it's a tough issue for us. Yeah. I, it's it's a, something everyone's figuring out. So real quick, before we get into the O-line scoring, this is going to be our, a new kind of ad space if you've noticed listening to film study we haven't had any ads in a while and uh that hasn't been good because it means that we're putting a lot of work in and this little small business isn't making any money so we're working on fixing all that so starting next week we've got some ads showing up and our request is that you check out the sponsors i can't say who they are now uh but they're interesting sponsors some i use some i don't use yet but maybe will and 
just check them out. Tell them that on social media to, that you love Film Study and for them to keep advertising on Film Study and go check out their sites. Meanwhile, you can help us out by going on over to filmstudybaltimore.com, spreading the word, sharing. We've got that new logo with some new shirts up there with the new logo on it if you want to wear that logo when you're heading out to uh, the stadium in a couple weeks. So just look for ads coming next week, and here's my chance to beg here so it sounds all professional when we have the real sponsors next <laughs> week. So, all right, Ken and Coach, let's get in. I got that spiel out of the way. Let's get into this O-line. All right, sounds good, because I think that's the biggest story of the bye week and, and you know, coming out of this game, what had happened. Let's take a quick look through these guys, and I'm going to go overall first. There are 65 scored snaps in the game, a, a ridiculous eight penalties. I did not look back to see the last time that ever happened to the Ravens, but I think it might be the first. I would not be surprised if it was the first. Let's put it that way. Uh, five different offensive linemen had penalties led by Stanley with four. Uh, it had a – people ask me about how does that affect the scoring. It is very significant, but – the average score was reduced by 0 .10 by this fact. There were 33 negative penalty points on 55 yards on 326 or 7, 326 blocks, including one six-man line. So it worked out to be 0 .10, uh, a pretty significant, more than a grade level at some positions, a grade level at offensive tackle. So it tells you it's a, it's a significant component of the scoring. What was nice about the offensive line play is that they did not allow a sack meaning all the sacks were basically extended plays where Jackson ran into a sack or tried to turn into a running play that went for zero yards early in the game. So th that at least was good news. Yeah, it, it, just from the looks of it, they're, they're, if, if Lamar would just stay in a certain spot, which we know is not going to happen, and I, you know, I'm not complaining, so don't take this as complaining, but if he was just a, a drop-back guy, they would be a lot better as far as coming out on the scoring end of it. We wouldn't we wouldn't see those sacks like that because they're doing a good job of uh, keeping the initial rush off. It's just when he starts to move around a little bit and they don't really know where he is is when I see, you know, with the naked eye, that they may get into a little trouble. Yeah, he doesn't get rid of the ball like a normal quarterback. He really waits until he's pressured 15 yards past behind the line of scrimmage before he unloads it. And, and, and there is some of that. But then also we saw in the red zone, and got to give him credit on the other side of this, that that – Lamar basically takes away the need for the Ravens to throw a fade route or even some of the high zipper routes, you know, you know, just to be clear what this is, I know you know what they are, Coach, between the goalposts high up to a receiver that's either crossing or sometimes a tight end mm -hmm. coming right off the line of scrimmage. But you, you, put it, you put it there where only he can get it. They don't have to play those kind of lower percentage routes because Jackson makes so much space with his own legs in terms of throwing lanes. And he, he meandered over to that right corner. He had a block from Boyle, and Boyle left. You know, he hit him at the two-yard line, and that was just the kind of thing that Lamar, his gravitational pull, as I've heard it called, created that opening in the red zone, and, and it's why he's such a special red zone quarterback. As a, as a weapon like we've never seen before in the NFL. All right, well, let's keep going with the offensive line a little bit. They gave up eight pressures in this game, uh, and let's see. They gave Jackson 27% ample time and space, eight out of 30 that's a low total. So the Eagles' offensive line certainly had lots of push in the game. Jackson was getting rid of the ball early. Jackson had a lot of designed roles that are not ample time and space uh, unless, they, unless they create it by, by deception, which wasn't really the case. Um, it, it was a lot of uh, opportunities for Jackson still to extend plays, but he did so uh, under some duress, and that was despite the fact 
that on 29 of 30 pass rushes, the Eagles rushed four, hmm. which is pretty scary, isn't it, Coach? I would I would love for that to happen on the other side, but that's another story. <laughs> 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 but, um, yeah, and the thing is, and, you know, when I had my call-in show afterwards, a lot of people were complaining about the O-line. And I had to t- kind of tell the people who was on Philadelphia's O-line. Fletcher yeah. Cox. I mean, he's he, we can kind of agree he's top three or four in the oh, NFL. Yeah. And you got a rookie right there trying to deal with Fletcher Cox. And if they put him in a three technique, he's pretty much blocking him by himself. He may That's have right. help if, if Cox is in the one. But if they put Cox in the three technique, um, Phillips is blocking him by himself. Cox was on Phillips the whole day. I gave him a big adjustment for it, but you're exactly right. It was it was a mano on mano contest between those two, and I think we're going to find out Phillips actually I didn't think was that bad. Exactly, given who he is. Exactly, but and they got other guys on the line that are okay to you know average to better than average, but you know Cox said all that up. He says all of it up. He's he's a superstar, but clearly, but Javon Hargrave was is a great interior pass rusher. We knew him from the Steelers and him abusing our centers in the past as the Steelers mm-hmm. nose tackle. Uh, but they have Brandon Graham. They Sweat. have yeah. They Sweat, have Sweat surprised me. Uh, it's it's a it's an incredibly well paid and talented defensive line there. I mean, if you want to complain about what the Ravens pay their defensive line players, it's nothing like what Philadelphia pays <laughs> theirs. So they're really spending the whole. Uh, the whole uh, lunch money right there. All right, so what else I got to say about this? So the, the, the Here's the big one from this game. Now, normally you hear me talk about the pulling guards, and the Ravens very pull-dependent offense, of course, right-handed run game. I talk about that. Bozeman, in fact, is one of the guys who does a lot of pulling. The Ravens had 17 pulls in this game. And normally, you know, 13, 14, maybe 12 on a bad game they would have. One point on 17 polls. Now, you can get negative points, and they did in this game on, on some of Bozeman's one. In fact, uh, McCary had a, had a, a if I don't know, remember if it was a pressure or penetration, but he had a negative two on his only poll. And uh, Bozeman had minus one points on his 10 polls. Wow. So that, that gives you an idea. And Bozeman, very reliable puller. So that it, I, I don't think it was all him. I think it was a matter of complete disruption up front in terms of his ability to run his normal lane to make the pull. And mm-hmm. some of it he had to loop wide and couldn't make a block. Some of it, you know, th- there was engagement already, couldn't find a block. And other times he, was, he had to make a block and he didn't do it. And, mm-hmm. and so we had a lot of, uh, uh, you know, difficulty with that. And it's, it was the biggest thing the Eagles did to the Ravens' run game was just to not allow them to get their pulling game going at all, which obviously is a very big part of what they do. And what I saw um, Sunday was a, a term my head coach now uses, and he uses it a lot, calling block destruction. And so that's that's what I saw a lot of, um, a lot of penetration. And when uh, Bozeman would try to pull, instead of him meeting with that clean alley to get around and get to who whoever he's kicking out or rapping to, he was met by the one of the guys that should have been down blocked and his lineman. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't he couldn't get where he needed to be, to you know. And now you got somebody running free. You got somebody running free to the hole that the running back's trying to hit, and that's you know, especially the the the, the play. And I don't know which one it was, but when Gus lost yards, I, that like blew my mind because he don't lose yards. It doesn't happen very often, that's for sure. And the, and the Ravens running back as running backs as a group had an had an awful day in terms of average yards per carry. It's so I know, I'm not even sure we need to go over again, but I'm going to do it quickly just because that's who I am here. But we had Jackson was fine. He had 12 yards of carry and. 
and even more than that when you take out the two kneels. But Dobbins mm-hmm. had 3.1 per carry on nine. Edwards was 14 for 26, 1.9, mm-hmm. and he was one of the best runners in the whole league. Mm-hmm. Coming in, Ingram was 5 for 20 before he left the game early, which we probably want to talk to you about, about how serious a problem that is. All right. Um, but let's talk about the offensive line a little more before we do. Okay. So Stanley had the four penalties we know. Um, other than those, which is kind of like saying, other than this gaping chest wound you have, things are fine. He actually was pretty good otherwise. He allowed two pressures, but the, the penalties really were what caused it. They gave him a D in total in this game. Yeah, the, the, especially the, the lining up in the backfield. Those, those yes. are – you can deal with effort penalties. Holdings – I mean, you don't like holdings, but they come from effort. Uh, maybe a block in the back come from effort, but pre-snap stuff that you just not lining up close enough to the line. And then the NFL is so lenient with it compared to other stages of sure. of uh, football. So that he had to be blatantly in, in the backfield for him, you know, for him to call that. Yeah. Now, do you talk to your own team about the difference between a false start and an illegal formation? Because illegal formation a much more serious penalty. A false start, if they if they do that, that's a pre-snap penalty. It freezes the play, five-yard penalty. That's it. That's the end of story. But with an illegal formation penalty, it's a five-yard penalty unless the result of the play is worse. It's giving the defense a free mm-hmm. play. Do you, do you have that discussion with your kids at all to say, hey, look, I can live with a false start, but I can't live with you lining up wrong and, and costing us the optionality of that play lost? I, I think if I'm following you, I think the ball is blown dead for us. Oh, on the illegal formation? I think so. I think wow, the ball is blown okay. dead for us. I hmm. think. Don't quote me on that. But I think it's blown dead for us because we don't have that a lot. But we don't run a ton of formations either. Okay. So we, we don't have we don't have a legal formation like we obviously we have false start or you know offsides and stuff like that but I don't recall us having a lot of illegal formations, and if it if it is it's more like a receiver's not on the ball or something like that. Sure. And, so and how I about think, I think illegal? They, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Illegal motion. We might that may it may take place in that, like if two guys in motion because they, no they stop, they blow the whistle and two guys in motion so yeah they blow the, they stop us. Okay, so another one that's a five-yard penalty would be an illegal man downfield. I don't know how mm-hmm. often that gets called at that level, but it uh, does with the RPOs. With a lot, yeah. a lot of RPOs that schools run, it, it gets called quite a bit. Okay, very inconsistently called at the NFL level. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of lot of players down. We had one in this game where Brown was five yards down down from uh, you know the play and it ended up being a run that uh, that honestly, or sorry, it ended up being be a pass that he mm-hmm. should have should have been flagged for. Yeah, if the guy's eyes are not where they need to be, speaking of the referees, mm-hmm. you it it happens a lot because with with the RPO stuff, the O line don't know if it's you know for the most part if it's run or pass is up to the quickness of the quarterback getting rid of the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's that's a good point, and, and they really have to if they're gonna if they're gonna leave downfield, they really need to know they can't have it just be their read their normal keys. It's like they have an extra thing they have to know. It's kind of leaving at the right time on the punt. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's a, that's a. I will say in ours, and we we run a few RPOs. The O line has no clue where the ball is, so they come off run blocking. And if it happens to they happen to get downfield, we put it on the quarterback by not getting rid of the ball in a timely manner. Okay. So because they don't they they think it's a run because it I mean because we could hand it off, so they don't know if it's going to be a pass down the field. So it's up to the quarterback to get rid of the ball in time enough for those guys not to get downfield. And normally on most RPOs. The read is quick. The okay. read is quick. It's like if, if this guy move, you do X. If he don't move, you do Z. And it's, it's normally one person that they're focusing in on, and so the quarterback has to make a decision as soon as the ball snaps. All right. That's good That's good to know, man. So is it is – it, um, 
and, and it's a lot of run pass option, not read option. And it's not uh, if there's a read option play where the quarterback gets outside the pocket. Do you have any specific coaching moves about telling him you can't throw the ball at that point because you might have guys downfield? Um, if it's read option, mm-hmm. you still can throw the ball, but you can't throw it down the field. Because we actually have a play where he is if the if the end takes the the, the running back, the uh-huh. quarterback can pull it. And so if the alley guy shows up to tackle him. He just drops it off to a, a guy in the flats. Text, well, actually, he's behind the line of scrimmage. He's not even in the flats. He's, in, he's behind the line of scrimmage waiting to see if the quarterback going to give him the ball. Okay, so it's still a pretty quick read is what you're, I think, telling mm-hmm. me. So if he's, if, the thing I've seen more from Jackson, this has happened this year already, is he rolled left out of the pocket. Play got stretched out. There's nowhere for him to go. He di- dances around a little bit, and then he throws the ball away. And then there's a, obviously these players downfield because right. they, they were expecting a run. Yeah. Yep. Or some kind of rollout where the ball should have been gone. Yeah, and they end up chasing guys, you know, downfield. It's 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 tough on an O line when you have a guy that is unpredictable, but then the rewards to me greatly out, oh, yeah. outweigh the, those little risks because of the things he can do. There you go. All right, let's move on here. It's not a it's not a pleasant offensive line thing. Bozeman, I mentioned the minus one points on ten pulls. Uh, he otherwise wasn't terrible. He allowed a pressure. Uh, but he but he was not otherwise particularly bad in pass protection. Uh, his only uh, the penetration he allowed, which is a loss on a run play, was on a pull. So that's taken care of. In fact, he allowed one and a half on pulls. So he wasn't bad otherwise, but it's still a D in total, including a false start penalty. Uh, anything to say about Bozeman, by the way? He's been playing pretty well. <laughs> Bozeman, to me, really has the same role he has last year. He's just not getting those cave down walls so he can openly pull to his certain spots his his pulls were clear the guy he was gonna block was pretty much clean you know identified because we all knew yonder was not going to miss very many down blocks so now he's having to fight a little trash to get to where he needs to be but i'm i'm still i was impressed with bozeman last year because i thought he wasn't was going to lose the job and i'm still a bozeman fan it's just the five as a whole need to you know figure it out but as far as bozeman individual i'm, I'm good with bozeman yeah i i he's He's at least the team's third best lineman. You could even say over the over the past three quarters of a year, he might have been the most consistent lineman, mm-hmm. other than Yanda, who's now gone, obviously. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, certainly if if they can't depend on him, I don't know what they got left. <laughs> right. Matt Skura, um a lot of parts of three pressure events. He's the only one who didn't get penalized. Did make two nice combination blocks. This wasn't a game for a lot of highlight blocks for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. But they both tackles and Skura against a 4-3, and you mentioned some of the reasons why, because the guard is usually taken up by a, or can be often taken up by a three-tech one way. Um, th- th- those are the guys making the level two blocks, center, tackle, tackle. Mm-hmm. And uh, Skura made a couple nice uh, combination blocks in this game. C overall, not bad. Skura's been very good since the first week. This is his first mediocre game since uh, week one. Uh, I think he's getting healthier, which is going to translate into his gameplay. And I, obviously he's healthy enough to play since week one. But still, him him having confidence in that knee and being able to move like he should. Like, I actually saw a play where he snapped and pulled. Matter of fact, the touchdown run, he snapped and pulled. And I was impressed with how quick he got out, even though he didn't block anybody. Right. <laughs> he, he snapped and got out there. And it's tough for a center to snap and pull. That's That's – only elite guys can do that and do it effectively. Yeah, that's he he pulls a little bit in the Ravens offense, but I think that was a they had a yeah it was him uh, it was on the on the thirty seven exactly it was him and Stanley both pulling 
Mm -hmm. And uh, and you're right, he missed that block. <laughs> so, but he but he made his other pull in this game, so so it's uh, he's not a zero in that area certainly. I I'm 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 happy to see him have five level two blocks in this game because that was my big concern about him was the mobility numbers were just not going to be there anymore. But he did some good things in this game that that had me feeling better, even though the grade did not work out as well as uh, as it has other times. Let's get on talking about the right guard position, which is where everybody wants to hear Phillips. Uh, you know, my expectation was coming into this game, and this is why I don't like to talk about the offensive line at all until I score it block by block. My expectation was that he was going to get destroyed by Cox. Mm -hmm. You know, just watching the game, Cox was in the backfield the whole game. Uh, he got great push. But when I really looked at it, he really only gave up two pressures, sorry, one pressure and one penetration to Cox that were, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one beats. There were other times when he gave a little ground and it might have might have given Bozeman some trouble on pulls. He also had an offensive holding in the game, but his overall game was not that bad. And given if it was Fletcher Cox, the normal adjustments that go with that to C for Phillips. And I actually think that's a pretty good result, especially considering we're still fairly early in his development, especially if you give him the leniency of, hey, his first four weeks of the season were his, were his preseason. Exactly. I, I agree with you 100% on that. Any any guard, no matter the your your time in NFL, is going to have a problem with Fletcher Cox. He's – one of the premier guys next to Aaron Donald. So, you know, for him to 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 give up that least amount of pressure and to execute his blocks as much as he did, I, I couldn't be happier for Phillips, even with the little mistakes he, he made. And on top of the fact that it probably was a little pride in there, both being Mississippi State guys. Mm -hmm. So that, um you know, that kind of factored in a little bit too. So I'm sure Cox was around when they maybe it was in spring ball and stuff like that. So there's a – they probably know each other – outside of football. So it was a little ego, you know, I got to do something to, to you know, to, to hold my own versus Cox because when we go back to Mississippi State, I got, you know, he can't just talk about how he dogged me. Yeah, I, I guarantee you that was one of the good handshakes after the game. I'd like to hear what they what they said to each other, but I'm sure it was very, you know, very positive. And uh, Phillips missed the end of the game, uh, which was unfortunate with, with apparently another injury, which cast some question about who's going to be the right guard going forward. And, the Ravens go into a bye week, and that's the that's the wrong time for there to be a question. If you're Phillips, because I think he's he's still he's continued to earn the right to fail. I don't think he's failed yet. Mm -hmm. And the Ravens have several backups. McCary did not have a good game this. We'll get to that in a minute. Powers has played pretty well when he's been in there, although he had a holding penalty last week that that uh, wasn't good. And they still have DJ Fluker, who was played guard. So there's a, there's several options. What do you think? The, what do you see the Ravens doing at this point? First of all, if Phillips is healthy, and second of all, if he's not. If he's healthy, I, I say go with it because I, I like playing him. Uh, if he he gets all his bumps and bruises out as this, as a rookie, we're looking at a guy that can kind of solidify that position at least until whatever that rookie deal is. Mm -hmm. So that gives you stability there at that position for a while, um, especially with the, the looming paydays at tackle. Yep, uh, both right and left. Well, left and right, I think that's the, the time frame, left first, then right. So, you know, I, if he's healthy, I say go with him, keep teaching him, keep coaching him up, keep letting him get, keep letting him get those reps, and I'm, I roll with it because he's a young guy. You can, you, can, you can live with the mistakes of a rookie 
rather than putting a vet in there and they making the same mistakes. If a rookie and a vet on the same level, give me the rookie any day. Oh, yeah, for sure. Give, give me that first contract, the optionality with that. And you know what? I think you're hitting on exactly the topic here because the question is going around Twitter, the worst place to, of course, get your questions. I, I, I'm sorry I don't want to say that to every one of our <laughs> listeners because they're terrific football fans. But, you know, you also get some bad opinions on Twitter. But the, the ask the reason is why isn't Fluker getting a chance? I think you're hitting on exactly the reason. Is DJ Fluker is cheap as hell this year? He's mm-hmm. like seven hundred seventy-five thousand against the cap, or, or thereabouts. I mean, it's really cheap. But next year, the Ravens don't have Fluker necessarily. Fluker's a free agent, so they've got a, a year-two player McCarry. They got a year-two player Powers, and they got a, a rookie in Phillips. They would love to see what these guys can do. If mm-hmm. one of the three of them is good, you get the dividend for that for three more years. Correct. Correct. I I, I agree and. If you if you stick Fluker in there, and which I was a, I thought he was gonna win the job anyway. Mm-hmm. But if you stick him in there, God, now you have a rookie as your swing tackle. Mm-hmm. And so I would rather have that vet that you know, even though he may not be as agile as as Phillips as far as playing tackle, but you know he knows the he knows the game, knows the speed of the game, and has you know enough wherewithal and has played enough snaps to say what he can do versus different guys. Whereas uh, if we if if somebody if something happened to Stanley or or uh, Brown and we had to stick Phillips out there, he's green. Yeah, he's, that's he's, that's a great he's, point. He's green. Yeah, because you know, and what you're saying about DJ, for example, is that he can he can adapt his style to even though he knows he's going to get beat by speed by some guys to push them past the pocket as a second alternative as opposed to keeping his feet in front of them, which he right. probably can't do. Right. Exactly. He he knows he knows where he's weak at, mm-hmm. and he has enough. Um, was moxie as a, as a veteran to 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 cover his weakness up with now, hand play or mm, or punching? Whatnot. Yes, yes, because he's strong as ox. Yeah, so you know it, it'd be nice in a lot of ways. Having a bully there would really help at right guard. Mm-hmm. I think Phillips is going to be more physically filled out by next year. So if he if he gets it done this year, he should take a big step forward next year yes. as a player. I'm hoping he can finish the year at a C level, say here. And, you know, we'll be real excited about where he is for next year. I have a friend of mine. We use the term um, grown man body. Yeah. So, and, and the NFL players get their grown man body after that rookie year. They've been in the NFL offseason for a year. They probably can afford a nutritionist. They start to get their grown <laughs> man body and fill out more and, and, and be able to use their full, uh, their full capabilities. There you go. Grown man strength. There you go. Uh Let's talk about Brown for a second here. He had a solid game against Brandon Graham. 55, Brandon Graham's lined up on that uh, offensive right side at left defensive end for the entire game. Two pressures, uh, one illegal formation. I thought the illegal formation, particularly on him, was kind of ticky-tack. His foot was back. His helmet was almost in the spot. It's just it's such a, a, a sense of degrees here. It's almost like the, the officials decided it was going to be called in this game. Or more, maybe the Eagles said, hey, look, Everybody tries to line up deep against us. Watch extra close for this, and the officials just did. Yep. Um, but, you know, they get a meeting with the officials, both teams do, uh, before the game to talk about it, most specifically trick plays, but mm-hmm. other things that they want really looked at in terms of the opponents and what they're doing, they, they think. Yeah, because we, we do it on our level too. If we see, you know, something that we think is not right, like, for instance, uh, we, had, we played a team that was basically cutting our pullers, which is illegal mm-hmm. on our level, and we pointed it out. We pointed it out, and, you know, we they got about 12 warnings. Never got a flag, but they got about 12 warnings. 
So we <laughs> that doesn't do you a lot of good. <laughs> no. So we, we it, it happens. It happens. And then, like you said, if we got formations that are kind of non-traditional, like if we go mm-hmm. gun right and we gun right and we have two receivers on the line, mm-hmm. we kind of let them know we got different little you know tricky formations like that to look out for them. They're right. Not to throw a flag on us. Yeah, the Ravens have done some of that. They had, what is it, Max Williams lining up in the middle of the offensive line at some point, but offset so he could still be a receiver. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a really weird formation. But anyway, they, they, they talked about the officials, obviously, about that before the game, so it wouldn't be wouldn't draw a flag. So anyway, Brown, a B-minus for the game. Uh, you know, he was actually the most solid – or sorry, a B. He was the most solid of the Ravens linemen by far. I thought he, he actually played pretty well. McCary I want to talk about a little bit because he's one of the guard candidates. Mm-hmm. Consistently seems to be getting opportunities. Got all the chances at center last year. Played some at guard last year as well. Got the first chance to be a backup guard this year. One time was missed. And he made 10 of 16 blocks in this game, which isn't good. That would be a 63 raw score. But he also allowed a penetration, allowed a pressure, and was flagged for offensive holding. Net of zero points for the game. That's a zero score. Um, I, I, that That is a level rarely approached. Uh, he did He did not have the requisite, I'm sorry, 14, 10 of 14 blocks. Um, he did not have the requisite t- uh, 20 snaps to get a grade, but zero points obviously would, would be an F, even if he had uh, 24. Uh, i got to change that number. It's about 20 additional successful blocks he would have needed in order to get to the D-minus level with mm-hmm. adjustment. So obviously not a good game for McCarry. And I think this has to figure into how they go ahead. I know it was a tough offensive line. I know, you know, the holding calls against Fletcher Cox, and again, that's a, you know, it's a tough hold. Mm-hmm. It, it, he had a tough assignment, no doubt about it. But you also got to think about, is arm length really impacting what he needs to do at right guard as opposed to Phillips, whose, you know, arm, arms are over 35 inches long, right. seems to have that down. And then you got Powers, who's in the middle um, and obviously has not had as much opportunity but we really don't know what they're what they're what they're not liking about him that McCarry keeps getting chances. Right, and we would only know if we were in those meetings. Mm-hmm. It's you know because the the one time I got to see Powers play, which was the game you know we shared uh, yeah. the Steelers game, and um, no preseason this year. Uh, that rotational game, what two weeks ago? We yeah, he, some. that's right. And then he, I think he may have been like the six O line a couple times. You know, this year, so he hasn't got any extensive time to even show other than that switcheroo game and you know you to me it's like they're just searching we got to solidify that that spot and even I, that I, game I, he go got ahead. he got only 16 snaps and McCary got 45 so it's not like there was a pretense wow. that it was going to be an even you know even split of that mm, so still it's it's something we're we we're not uh, allowed to know or see or whatnot because we can't be around as much that they're not liking that McCarr keeps getting those chances, or they're they're just letting him play it out and like, look, you're not gonna be our guy, and then we gonna they gonna keep Powers and go from there. I guess they're giving him chances to to you know prove himself, and this bye week may be the point where we like, okay, our preseason's over, now we putting the B, the A squad together, and we sticking with these unless we get injuries. Yeah, I mean this makes sense, doesn't it? You have time, you can reset this, you can you can make a evaluation and self-scout and just decide, hey, what we've got is not good enough. Mm-hmm. We have to make this change. And they were great last year on defense, I thought, in particular, flushing the toilet, as I call it, on their on their inside linebacker core when it really had to be done. 
Right. And and that turned their whole season around defensively. I I think it's you know it 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 might not be some it's something they will consider. I just think honestly that Phillips has played well enough to continue. Yeah. At this I point, agree, I agree with you on that. And then if Phillips is hurt, who who do you want to see? I personally would like to see Powell's, but I haven't seen enough of them to say he's going to be good or not. But you know, just off Macari scoring from this week, it, it it's not a good look. It's not a good look. And then he did he how did he score last week? Because uh, Nick and I, I didn't look great. I think yeah, no, he wasn't great. It was a D last week, I believe, and that was when he had more more snaps, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't I don't have it right in front of me. I'm sorry about that, Coach. Yeah, that's fine. I would I would uh, like to see Powers. I'd like to see Powers. And and if Macari can't get it done, Powers with Bredesen as his backup. Right. McCary a D against Cincinnati confirmed. It was on the low end of the range too. So uh, just to lay that in there but gotcha. I'm, I'm with you i i would like to see powers get a chance and you know part of this is just i want to see what we have before it's too late in a player they invested a fourth round draft pick in that, that's mm-hmm. a sunk cost at this point doesn't make a lot of sense maybe think of it from the other way what the way of a player they still have for two years after this because he was a, a draft pick signed a four-year contract doesn't have any rfa price tag associated with him i mean he's cheap for two more years after this well, it'd be nice to see if we've got a ball player here. Right. And I really would hate to see him play that out and then go somewhere else and just ball. And be good, yeah. Yeah, that would suck. <laughs> uh, let's move on here a little bit. Let's talk about Lamar because he's obviously one of the real topics of discussion around town. I, you know, I, one thing I liked about his game here was he took care of the football. Yes. Many fewer interceptable passes than against Philly. Again, against Cincinnati. Yeah, he he does. He's getting better at respecting the ball because sometimes he he don't have the love and care for the ball like I feel like he should. Even though it, you know people don't necessarily get it out, but just the fact that he have it dangling out there and and when he's stepping up in a pocket, he don't it's not two hands on the ball and you know it, he scares me sometimes with the ball. But the fact when you don't turn it over, I guess you don't really matter with that. What I'm saying, you just as long as you take care of the ball and keep it. Do whatever you need to do to keep it. I think a lot of his deep passing and even in the intermediate passing uh, routes that he's thrown, he was tremendously effective at being aware of where the other defenders were around there. And on the deep ball, maybe to a fault. Maybe he didn't take enough chances leaving the ball close enough on deep routes for Brown mm-hmm. to really let him run under the ball, put more air under the ball as opposed to throwing a kind of a longer, flatter ball. Uh, you know, he, Obviously, multiple ways to do this. You trust your receivers. You tend to leave more air under that football. Probably creates a slightly more interceptable pass. Mm-hmm. Also creates more opportunities for pass interference yep. on the other side. But but I, I think that his last year was an amazing year of being careful with the football. And he's not too far off that right now in, in this year in terms of his same pace for uh, interceptions and touchdowns. And I, I think he's make, uh, throwing more. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Um, lower percentage passes, too. Because, mm-hmm. you know, last year pretty much everything was 
right around, I'm going to say in the middle of the hash, but right around the hash marks and whatnot. And if they were outside the numbers, it was short. So now he's actually trying to develop that outside game. And you can tell he's taking more chances with, you know, deeper outs or, or deep over routes and stuff like that. Whereas normally last year, you may have just saw that and feel like, yeah, I can't hit this. So I'm going to take off. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's uh, that's, that's certainly something we'd, we'd, we'd probably want to see him take those chances, even if there's some bad results, because that's what's going to make him the complete quarterback, and it's what's going to make the Ravens' offense challenge every spot on this football field, which is going to make them much more dangerous. Yes, I agree. Uh, ran as well as he had in this game in a long time. You know, obviously, it was, it was really 7 for 110 when you take out the couple of kneels, so that's, what, 15 yards and change per 15.7 per mm-hmm. rush without those two kneels. Yeah, and I, when I remember doing the, the little post-game thing and I pulled up the uh, stats and when he was over 100, I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't see 100 yards rushing, but <laughs> they're there, especially with the, the play where he sealed the game. That was probably another 20 or so yards right there. Yep. As he had 21 there. I think he had 24 on an earlier scramble, and he had the 37-yard touchdown run on that was designed. They're doing more of the designed runs, and we've talked about this a fair amount on the show already, the, the, the change from being primarily a pistol team last year to being more of this split-back set where the back is either left or right of the quarterback, and they're doing a front mesh point. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think about those two options and you know, the move away from the pistol and how it's affecting the offense? Uh, me personally, it thinks we need to have that pistol. But when we do pistol, that should be Gus's job because that's downhill running. Give Gus the ball coming downhill. If we're going to do the stuff on the side, let J.K. do it. Let Mark do it. But if we go into the pistol, which I loved the pistol last year, let that be Gus's job. Gus shouldn't be running um, outside zones and whatnot. Give Gus the ball, run power, run uh, some kind of, you know, Option read where he's going downhill and you got the option to pull it. Don't have Gus going side to side. Let let that let let Terminator go through the middle and mess people up. Did they not see how he looked in the preseason? He looked or better for the than the defensive ends. Yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the questions that comes up is: Are you then giving away what your two read possibilities are? By showing pistol or showing this, I, what do you what do you call it when the, when the back is to one side of the quarterback? Is there, there's, there's I just call it on the hip. That's, that's on the my hip. terminology. I just call it on the hip. Okay, I'll, I'll use that. I like that better anyway. Uh, okay, so if, if the back's on the hip as opposed to in the pistol, mm-hmm. then then are you giving away the play? If Dobbins is always on his hip, then you know Dobbins can only run a stretch play or to the right or to the left, depending on which side he's on. And Jackson, then you're committing, in a sense, to run him up the middle. Now, you can run the opposite direction with Jackson mm-hmm. also, but mm-hmm. wouldn't make a lot of sense to run the same direction with Jackson, the, the, you know, the direction you indicate for the running. Right. Now, that a lot of people try to scheme depending on which side you put the running back on, mm-hmm. but you can also have counters to go there. Because if, if, let's say, um, whoever the back is is on his left and most of the plays are, going, are flowing right because the back is on his left, you can always do speed option or something back to the other side to make those guys be honest. Okay, so so now you're talking about something like Duvernay orbiting back for a reverse. No, I'm talking about just Jackson. the same two guys instead of instead of the back flowing across uh, Jackson's face at mesh point. They just run speed option that way once or twice. Mm-hmm. That keeps those guys from just screaming down and taking 
the the dive and then having somebody scrape for Lamar. Okay, that's a great point. Okay, so are are the Ravens doing enough of that to disguise their intention? Obviously, they've done some jet motion things because mm-hmm. you, you can run jet motion when you're on the hip, and you can run, you know, some of the orbit motion plays they've run in terms of having Duvernay. It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of a delayed orbit motion. It's not really orbit motion, but have him have him reverse or even show the reverse. Uh, you know, you can do all those things. But the one thing I don't like about it is we've started to implement Hollywood in, in, in those orbits and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And we haven't given him the ball. So nobody has to respect it. He goes in the backfield and kind of fakes, like he may be a pitch man or whatnot, but nobody's respecting that because we haven't done it. So really to me, that's every time we do that and he don't get the ball, it's a wasted play. He, he has to get the ball at least once for people to start respecting it. Is that something the Ravens will self-scout over the bye week and say, yeah, we need to do that? We need to, we need to script plays for him to get the ball because, they're, look, they're not following him. They're not doing anything. Yeah, it should. I mean, they make a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if those guys who are actually doing the self-scouting really do make a lot of money. I'm sure they did. They, I'm sure it's probably not as lucrative as you might think. All right. No, I'm, I'm speaking on the, the actual coaches. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Roman certainly does. He's, mm-hmm. he's making some good money. Um, it's not a terrible game for traditional Patrick uh, uh, passing metrics for Lamar. Uh, uh, he had a very low uh, ample time and space percentage, and I, I respect what he was able to accomplish in this game as a passer. Uh, he did not have a great game of creating, with the exception of the touchdown pass to Boyle. I didn't think he had a great game of moving around and then finding a target. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had seen more of that in previous games, certainly in uh, some of the some of the plays he made happen to Andrews. One, that's one of the questions I have is, were they, were they restricting Andrew's targets in some way in this game? Because it seems like he was not a part of scripted action at all. Didn't get his first catch until fairly late. Yeah, I think they did the same thing in Hollywood, too. Hollywood didn't catch a ball until the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe late in the second. Hmm. Uh, he, I, I think they were his, uh, listening to the whispers and trying to get other people the ball. And um, just to get them in the game. You know, you get, you get Borkin in the game early. You know, a little quick, quick catch or a little hitch or something like that. They tend to, and not just Borgen, they tend to play harder the rest of the game. For yeah. guys that are, like, not the stars, if you get them something early, you tend to, you know, they tend to play better. For example, and I know we're talking about football, but let's take basketball for a second. You think about LeBron. He, he mm-hmm. tries to get his other guys in the game early to get them going, get them lathered up, and then he'll get his later. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what – I think they need to do with, with Duvernay. That's why Duvernay touched the ball early. That's why we get a quick out in some way, shape, or form or fashion to Boykin early. And just to get them, okay, we got you in the game, you you know, get your blood flowing, let's go now and see how it goes. But then we just kind of forget about them. Well, in some of that, I've got to put on Lamar because the scripted plays are getting the ball in the hands that they want. They get All of the special plays with Duvernay, they all seem to come on the scripted plays. Mm-hmm. So they went through a walkthrough on those plays to go step-by-step step through them in the Friday before this game. That's what that means to be a scripted play. Mm-hmm. And they might pull it out in the first half, but they most – sorry, might pull it out in the second half, but most of them are in the first half because they're mostly show plays too to show the opposing – Defensive coordinator, hey, we could do all these things. And to show mm-hmm. the next five opponents, hey, we can do all these things. Yeah. I, I, the, the, thing that, the thing that bothers me about it is I would like to have a scripted trust throw to Boykin or two at some point that would allow Lamar to really build the trust he needs to throw him the ball later in the game in some 50-50 situations or some situations where Boykin may need to prevent an interception. 
Mm-hmm. So you go ahead and you, and, and you throw a deep ball to Boykin. You get comfortable with who he is. And if it doesn't work out, well, it's my, it's my fault as the offensive coordinator. I put in that scripted play. I'm sorry, Lamar. We'll get him a better look at a different way the next game. But if he does catch the ball, then Morris said, wow, Miles Boykin really went up for that ball. I'll throw him another. That's what I want. I want to build that trust somehow with scripted plays. And it's, it's funny you say that because if we can think back to Boykin's first touchdown, it was exactly what you just yep. uh, mentioned. That in the end zone in Miami, mm-hmm. uh, the, the DB kind of, they was on him. He just threw it up. Boykin lost the DB and caught a jump ball. Is a great read by Lamar because he saw both backs of the DBs at the same time, and he mm-hmm. knew that Boykin would be the only one to be able to react to it. But, but he trusted him to do it. He threw right. it up in the middle, open space in the end zone. I mean, that's a, that's a scary throw for even a second-year quarterback. And yep. Boykin went and got the ball. So, And he, he's had others, too, where, where he's had to trust the break properly at a, a, a touchdown reception against Cleveland. That, that was similar to that, and I, I just I, I want to see more of that. And if, if the trust doesn't come naturally, I think it's up to the offensive coordinator to build that into the scheme, build that into the scripted plays, so that that becomes more natural for both Lamar and for Boykin to do the right things. Because we're at we're at game six, correct? Yeah. And we just you know, I looked up. at I looked at Boykin's numbers earlier today. Uh, he's eleven catches for, or ten catches for like one hundred eleven yards. We need we need more of that, like, well, we need more from him than that. That's what yes. I mean. Because I think he's the key to unlocking that explosiveness, that explosive offense that we had last year. I think he, if him pulling guys out of the box and making them be too high at all times versus us is the key to us being able to do whatever we want to do in the run game. Right. I, I agree. Which open up the play action too. Got, got, to, got to pressure every part of the field, and Boykin's a key in that. And, and if they're – you know, Boykin is effectively blocking if he takes a guy on a vertical route. But Boykin also, when he runs other routes, and he's got to run some other routes that are that are crossing patterns or slants or whatever, then he's tremendously effective as a point of attack blocker. You know, as soon as a runner gets to the second level, uh, in times, if he mm-hmm. if he breaks anything towards that hash line, he's he's right in the play as far mm-hmm. as, as as far as being there. A great block, by the way, on Duvernay's 42-yard run what, against Cincinnati, I think it was. He was out front of that play. He kept Wallace, I think it was, was the defensive back, but he, he blocked him all the way out of bounds and out of the play. Right. And you just – I just love to see them take advantage of that whenever they can. Josh, he's part of the, the no block. I still don't get the rock team. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I knew we'd fit that in there somehow. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. One other thing I noticed from this one, and I wanted to make sure we talked about this, is that the Philly edge defenders had an unusual way. They consistently were going for the running back on the read option. And that was a lot of the front read option, a lot of the, you know, on the hip. But mm-hmm. that means the mesh point is in front of Lamar. And they were consistently going for it. And I think Lamar might have figured it out. By the end of that game, obviously he's making a read, so he's having mm-hmm. to decide on that particular play. But it looked like both edge guys were happy to go for the running back play after play after play. Now that could be a defensive ploy, what they call scrape exchange. Mm-hmm. And when they do that, the end is taking the dive every time. And the linebacker, instead of hitting a or, uh, a or B gap, is just coming over the top. Goes to the outside. So that, that could have been that. That could have been the way they designed it. And then maybe they had a faster guy they wanted to kind of be on Lamar. So they just say, hey, you defensive end. Take the take the take the dive, and we got somebody for the quarterback. And they could have been using the safety to come down too. We we if you go back to the Tennessee game, it was scrape exchange that worked very well 
with Ryan and other defenders able mm-hmm. to get to that spot and contain Lamar in that game. So yeah. it certainly uh, it, it wouldn't be unusual for that to happen. But the but Eagles seem to be systematically definitely going after that running back. Tell you what, let's take a little while here. Talk about any skill position players you like. Coach, you're the guest. Please bring up the first player you'd like to talk about, whoever that might be. Honestly, on the offensive side of the ball, man, it's it's the only guy that even had a, a decent day was Lamar. Because we, we I, I want more out of the running backs, but they don't get enough carries because it's it's so many of them. And nobody can really get a a feel or whatnot. So it's, I'm gonna just say Lamar because he busted 100 yards for you know I think it was the first time this year he busted 100 yards, and um, he he protected the ball. He protected the ball. But did you, it, uh, in terms of of the individual players, is there do the Ravens need a lead back for starters, or or are they doing something that it has some real merit to it to split the carries in this very egalitarian, very very uh, equal way i think in a perfect world we need a lead back with a a a um a bullpen guy so to speak mm-hmm. but i think we're we're we got three bullpen guys okay. trying to start games if that makes sense since you know josh like the orioles so we ain't we ain't coming with a um a a, a, a no, true number one we're hitting you with three four bullpen guys to, to try to close the game out and nobody's really getting a, a complete feel for the game. I think we would say that Ingram was a number one last year. Mm-hmm. And, I don't think and, he's that anymore. Yeah, so he's, he's lost a step, possibly due to the injury last year, but definitely he's now now hurt again. Uh, I would agree that, that, you know, it's always a concern for running backs, and, and Ingram is at that age where you'd really expect him to decline pretty quickly at some point. Mm-hmm. That production would fall off. Uh, is there any chance Ingram is still on this team next year, in your opinion? I don't think so. I think he was a. I think I might have got the turn from you. He signed three to play two. There you go. And so I think that's where we are. With you know, obviously evident by drafting um, Dobbins and keeping the other guys that we have because we haven't seen Justice yet either. Yeah, that's a little. That's a little disturbing. He's kind of like the Ben Powers of the running backs. Mm-hmm. Is a second year guy who we don't really know what we have, and didn't perform well as a receiver last year, but. You know, is this is this now an opportunity to get some scripted plays in, to get some other just normal backfield carries and opportunities on passing downs for Justice Hill if Mark Ingram has to sit out a game? I would think so, especially if they're going to continue to rotate the backs in. I feel like he could just pick up those snaps that Mark got, but not not necessarily run those same plays. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a different type of guy. He's a he's an outside zone guy. He's a he's a scat back. He should him. Like when he shouldn't run the same type plays Gus run. The only person that could potentially do that, I would say, would be a Mark because they're both power backs. J.K. maybe, but not as a rookie. But he, um, Hill, I mean, not Hill. Uh, yeah, Hill should be an outside guy. He should be the guy that's like when we fake, when we run power read, mm-hmm. or we do like the the bash play. Some people call it as we score the touchdown on. That should be the type of stuff Justice in because Justice himself running lateral to the line can hold a defensive end. Right. Because if now, the end don't go, don't take him, he can just outrun him. So you, you got options that, that go with that. Obviously, you got jet motion. You've got orbit motion you can mm-hmm. do with Hill. You can put him in the – I think he is the one back that you can put in as a second back and treat him more like a receiver because he's, he is a player. You're, you're trying to get the, in, the ball in his hands in space, whatever mm-hmm. that is. I don't want to discount 
what he did at the end of the last year. Because against Pittsburgh, he really showed some some proclivity to be a power runner. I thought also. Yeah, I mean, he he he's in his grown man body. <laughs> so he obviously at um, Oklahoma State, he was a he was a slash cat outside zone, you know, inside zone type deal. But at this point, yeah, he can you know pretty much all the backs we have have the ability to run inside the tackle. But you just think about. I'd much rather have a six-two-ish guy, you know, coming down here rather than 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 uh, Hill. And no, and no disrespect to Hill, it's just Gus is so much bigger. He's so much built to for that that pounding. And as a linebacker, if I'm hitting on a guy that's bigger than me, eventually I'm gonna be like, man, forget this. Makes it harder to tackle. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else to talk about in terms of in terms of Duvernay? Any kind of different usage you're looking for? Um, I like what we're doing with him. Um, I think he needs a slightly bigger package, not just those that first scripted play, uh, whatever that play is in the script. And, you know, we did do something with him that I, I haven't seen before on the little screenish type route where he got the first down. Mm-hmm. That play, he was, I think he was the number two receiver, and they just sent the other guys to block, and Lamar hit him real quick, and he almost popped that for the touchdown. I think it was third and six or seven. And he got what we needed for the first down, but had he been able to catch his balance on one more step, he would have uh, popped that for a touchdown. But uh, him him on the reverses, him in the return game, I like getting him on the field. You know, he at least needs to touch the ball four to five times a game. Mm-hmm. But then we get into that thing with the backs and then we want more receivers. And So if we, if we get all these touches that we want for different people, the defense is just not going to play at all. <laughs> one, of, one of the things that I, I'm – kind of worried about here is a lot of people want to get Antonio Brown not everybody and I you know I don't know where you stand on the thing but you know or they want to get another number one receiver to bring in that they think that will be the thing that will fix the passing game mm-hmm. and one of the things you're doing is you're dooming some of these young receivers to basically lose their snaps Duvernay yep. would become just a scripted play guy back to five plays a game he played 26 snaps in this last game by the way mm-hmm. He'd be back to five, seven snaps a game. Just, just some gadgety plays, just some scripted stuff. Prochet's not going to play at all this season. If another, mm-hmm. if another big receiver comes in, you know, Hollywood may lose some snaps out of the deal. Boykin's going to lose a ton of snaps out of the deal if you bring somebody in. So that's my question for you: Is do you really want that? Is Anto- do you, do you really believe enough in who Antonio Brown is? And you know, probably a lot of it is is what the trust factor would be between Lamar and Antonio Brown mm-hmm. to to think that would be a good idea. I think Antonio on a team gives you instant credibility as far as how you play it, how you cover him. There aren't a lot of guys that, you know, if he comes back 90% of what he was when he left, there are not a lot of guys that can cover him one-on-one. So, bam, you got to have a safety at least looking over there to see what he's doing. At okay, least, so go ahead, I'm sorry. Let's say he comes back 75% of what he was, but we're not, we don't know yet exactly what he is. Do you mm-hmm. think in, initially at least – he will garner the Randy Moss treatment on the Ravens that they stack a safety on his side and have a corner there just to make sure. So you're, you may have cover one, but it's cover one on that side of the field because you're, you're, uh, you're so concerned about him and you let your island corner on Hollywood and maybe that opens up the field in other ways. Initially, no. I feel like NFL is, you know, you got to prove it first. So initially I think if, if he showed up week nine and played, they're going to test him with, you know, a man-on-man corner. You you ain't played in pretty much, what, a little over a year, mm-hmm. more than a year? Let's see what you still got. 
So he'll be tested early with just single coverage and, you know, just like a, a, a average guy. Now, if he starts to beat that, then it's different. So I can see two good reasons to, to go out and get A.B. that go counter to all of the potential locker room poison and uh, attitude and behavior and other things that, that – you know, one of my big fears is that Lamar and Hollywood love A.B. Mm-hmm. And there's not going to be a trust issue there, but there's going to be a production issue. And A.B. is right. going to not be the player they hoped he was – or AB's going to do something stupid because that's always a possibility. All right. And then the team is going to say, we got to get rid of him. And they're going to have to explain it to Lamar to Hollywood. Hollywood the fans, yep. there won't be any problem. They'll yep. understand, most of them. <laughs> that, that, that's the flip side of, of bringing mm-hmm. him in. Because, like you said, they, 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 gonna, they love him. They already love him. They, mm-hmm. I know they do. And if he does something to warrant getting rid of or a slap on the wrist or whatever, now you got to deal with the emotions of letting him go with pretty much two of your best offensive players. Yeah. yeah I, I, it's, it's exactly the problem as far as I'm concerned. That happens all the time, by the way, in the corporate world, mm-hmm. that you have somebody who's in, you know, in love with somebody they, that works for them. I mean, you just you can't and, – and it could be actual love or it could be just they really like who they are as, a, as an employee and they deal really well with them. But, but – you, you, you can't let that situation occur. It's just poisonous to the organization to let it occur. And it's, it's funny that people who are you know, on Twitter probably understand that completely, or, or, or many of them do, and that they don't get it you know, in terms of a football play where, the, where it's even more of an issue. Mm-hmm. Now, my thing is, as far as bringing guys in, I wouldn't even bring a guy in unless, he was, unless they were of his, car- his capabilities. I wouldn't bring an average journeyman guy in. I wouldn't bring a Muhammad Sanu in. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to bring somebody in, he has to be a guy that can – his upside is going to be worth the risk. So, you know, when you really look at it, there are not that many total receivers that are obviously available. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a number of teams that are going to be sellers because of COVID and the cap next year being constrained. But I think that there's going to be it's, – it's not obvious to me all the players. So, you know, some people are talking about Marvin Jones. Well, Marvin Jones is 30 years old now. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's all of a sudden dropped from nine to six yards of target – do you want that guy? I'm not. I'm not convinced that I want to give all of Mar- my uh, uh, Miles Boykin's targets to Marvin uh, Jones. Mm-mm. But I, if it to me it's it's A B or nobody. Yeah, it's A B or nobody because I you know a lot of people are talking about trading for Julio. I mean, can we really afford that? Um, and I, whether we can or can't, I don't know. I'm not a cap guy, but it's to me it's A B or nobody because he's gonna be cheap. Yep. But if 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 it's somebody else, we're going to, you know, be in that cap situation. But if not, develop Miles. Develop, so the, give him an opportunity. He he hasn't had enough of an opportunity. He doesn't have enough of a a body of work to say whether he sucks or not to me. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he has some, some issues, some trust issues with Lamar, but he hasn't had enough balls thrown his way to say, okay, this dude ain't it. Yeah. It's a question mark there. Definitely. But to me, it's just he don't have enough to say, hey, you know, get rid of him or just you know, so when his contract over, he gone. I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm with you on that. Let's let's go through real quickly on the MVPs on this. And you mentioned kind of the giveaway, the spoiler on this, that Jackson's the only one who really did anything on offense. I, I've got two other players on my list who number my number three guy is Orlando Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, really was the best of the offensive linemen. And it's hard to pick among a, a lot of the skill position players. But uh, – who would you who would you point to as being the other guy who contributed something on offense? Um, I, I won't say Orlando because simply because you know 
he made a statement a couple weeks ago about the right tackle being the lesser tackle, and he laughed it off in some interview. Uh-huh. And the fact that he says that and he still, you know, wants to – well, not still wants to. He still goes out there and does his job the way he does because he gets the, the best pass rusher almost every week. Uh-huh. And for him to – and he don't have the greatest of feet to handle his business the way he does. I, I really like where he is in his career right now. Yeah, that, that's more pronounced now than it used to be, but the but the the rush uh, end, the rush defensive end, who's facing usually the naked left tackle, no mm-hmm. tight end on that side, okay, is often that that guy who is your bigger, better run defender, but maybe not quite the same pass rusher that you have on the other side. Mm-hmm. And it's usually it really usually is now you get your your lighter Von Milver, Elvis Dumerville, uh, Brandon Graham. You know, I want to think about current players, not Elvis Dumerville, but you get the idea. <laughs> yes. are, are, are players who can rush from that side, and it's 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 much more of the traditional wisdom is that you may get a tight end on that guy if you stick him over there. Yeah, and then he got Watt coming up next. Yeah, what about Watt in terms of, and I'm not, not TJ, but JJ as being an acquisition. I'm all for it if we can afford it. I'm all for it. Because that we got a couple of pressures this week with four, mm-hmm. but if you stick Watt in that mix anywhere, I think that number goes up. That number goes up tremendously because he, it's it's crazy to imagine Watt and Calais Campbell on the same line. Because mm-hmm. whoever single covered and Calais did his thing with single coverage this week, as we all know, is gonna beat their guy, unless you know it's a premier tackle. So that's that's scary to, to even think about what on this you know defensive line with the DBs that we have with Calais Campbell with the speed that linebacker we got. I I would he's the one big name that I think might make some sense. First of all, I think the Texans really have to get rid of the contract because they can't mm-hmm. afford it next year, and I believe the money is guaranteed. So the Ravens would also be stuck with it. It's seventeen point five million next year. It's ten and change this year, mm-hmm. and if the Ravens traded for him, they don't have to trade much in terms of draft capital. So, I, I don't want him for a second. If the if the, if the Texans say, "Well, we want a second for JJ Watt," we can't we can't sell it to our fans. Mm-hmm. We can't look ourselves in the mirror if we trade JJ Watt for less than. That. Well, then it's I'm sorry, you're easier. We we can't help you. But if mm-hmm. if they would trade him for a third or a fourth, I think I'd do it. Yeah, and then that that money would that we are not going to give Judon yeah. be there for what? Well, that money that we're not going to give Judon has been spent a couple other times. Too. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're good. Shape. Tell you what, let's go to the mailbag. What do we got, Josh? Uh, sorry, I was looking up when Antonio Brown's allowed back, week, and it's November week 2nd. Week 9. Yeah, yeah, so November 2nd, so two weeks away. Um, and now I understand why everyone's saying the world's going to be crazy at the beginning of November. It's all for Antonio Brown. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, all right, let's get to the mailbag using the hashtag film study mailbag over on Twitter. So first one up, we're going to get Lauren, who says, I need to catch up, but it's from my perspective that 90% of the offensive problems start with the offensive line and the A-B gaps, plus having to send the blocking tight ends now out on more passing routes. Okay, um, let's, let's start with the blocking tight end thing. I think that the, the running game still centers around having seven, seven powerful blockers, the, the offensive line and a tight end and, and Ricard. And the, the, frankly, I think they're shorthanded now at tight end in terms of not having a third guy to really run a lot of very viable 13 personnel, and it's one of the spots I'd like them to look at during this 
during this bye week is, is there a guy out there, a sure-handed tight end, who's not necessarily a good blocker, because that's the marginal characteristic I think I can work with, can line up in the backfield as Hurst did last year, but has really good hands, mm-hmm. get out to level two, level three, has the quickness to make good blocks there, but doesn't necessarily, n- not necessarily known as a power blocker. Um, that's, it's, it's, I don't think there's anybody out there either. It's, it's, um, it's a vital H back. What we're looking for is an H back type, type guy. And, um, the thing is, you're probably going to find either the mauler or the pass receiver. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think you're going to find a guy that has enough intangibles to do both on the level that we want him to do. I see. Yeah, I think I'm okay with just the receiver. So if we had uh-huh. Hayden Hurst again, I'd love that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, and he was pretty much just a receiver. You know, I, I, Jacob Hollister is a name that's come up today mm-hmm. from Seattle who might be a guy who could who could fill that role. Uh, Hollister does a lot for them, too, With uh, even though he's like the second or third guy. But Russ, a lot, a lot of big third downs because they're on TV all the time now. Mm-hmm. Russ can count on that guy on top of um, the guy his last name starts with a D, Dempsey or Dip, whatever his name is. They, they So that is an option, you know. Two, because I think we need a third guy. Okay. Because that we're missing that 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 uh spot in our offense, and we're not even, we're not producing like we did last year. So I don't know if the correlation to not really having a third guy in there is affecting what we do or not. But that's one of the things to look at because that's one of the things that we don't have that we had last year. Right. It's it's very very valid and. You know, 13 personnel, a lot of people have made up that was really the deal. You just can't play the same 13 personnel with Ricard. Right. All right. We had a few people send in the USA Today uh, for the win article that kind of broke down the Ravens comparing last year to this year. And they kind of came down to it being about Lamar's performance in empty sets. Does that make sense to you? And then the next question I'm going to tackle on uh, as I'm combining some uh, mailbag questions is – can this year's offense, even without Yonda, do they have the right skill sets to perform like last year? Uh, let me start with the last part of that question because it's really expectations-based. There is no way the Ravens are going to play like they did last year. They had a historic offensive season. Lamar had a historic season. They had more talent with Yonda and Hurst in terms of who they had on offense. They got Duvernay this year. You know, He's a nice, exciting addition. But you know, they swapped down for Yonda to Phillips, and they've – yeah, they've got other issues along the offensive line, a few more injuries to deal with. It's just it's not as talented an offensive unit, plus they played at a historic level last year. So mm-hmm. I, I'll start with the expectation. Unreasonable to expect the same level. I agree. The, the other 31 teams get paid to do their job too. So <laughs> if, if we came back and had the same exact or even better success, those other guys are not doing their job. No matter how much, you know, how many wrinkles or whatnot Wink, you know, puts in or they put in on defense or Giro puts in, if the if we had the same success, the other guys are on, you know, in NFL not doing their job. Because they got a whole okay. season to watch film, to to see what we do, to try to stop it, to come up with something, to, to at least make us do something different, and which is kind of what's going on now. Would it be fair to say, too, that – 
Roman's ability to add wrinkles is going to add, you know, arithmetically and in small, incrementally in small increments to what they already do well and continue to surprise. It needs to be part of what he does. Mm -hmm. But the amount of ground that opposing defenses have to catch up to what the Ravens do is enormous. And so yeah. that's subject to, more, to larger gains by defense, defenses working slightly different. And, you know, mm -hmm. as bad as this Ravens offense is, Josh, you mentioned at the top of the show, they're, they're close to setting the record. They had 29 straight games of 20-plus points. They'll tie Denver for the all-time record if they can do it against the Steelers. That's, that's an amazing uh, number. 100 straight halves, or it's now 101, they've scored in. I can't believe that number. That's, All right, well, as much complaining clearly, you've done or doing. <laughs> clearly, you guys are not listening to Sports Talk Radio or online, as everyone says. It's because of the sidearm throw. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, and I'm glad we didn't get any questions about bringing Yonda back now because he looks like a uh, track and field runner now, not a <laughs> there football you go. player. <laughs> So, I, uh, Boykin, you guys covered Boykin a lot, but is there a reason that Harbaugh is maybe given up on Boykin? And is there any chance of pulling Boykin back into a tight end position? I don't think Harbaugh is giving up on Boykin. I think Lamar doesn't trust Boykin. That's that right, turn, too. That in turn you know, leaves him. <laughs> to me, I see like three throwaway balls, like, you know, well, not three a game, but like one a game to Boykin where they're not on the same page. And it's like at a time where Lamar I'm just like, you ain't do what I want, I'm just throw this ball out of bounds. Because the ball, they're not even close. They're not, I mean, and I know when you have miscommunications, it's going to look like that, but they're having the same miscommunications week in, week out. That got addressed directly in the press conferences today. And it was, mm -hmm. it was very interesting. I did not hear it firsthand. Jeff Zrebeck reported it, and he said that the offensive coordinator, actually, it wasn't the offensive coordinator, it was James Urban, so the quarterback mm -hmm. coach, mm -hmm. said, the problem between Boykin and Lamar, and he might have said the problems, but the problem between Boykin and Lamar was in fact it was in terms of Boykin hearing the play. And I said, well, wait a minute, is that hearing the play in terms of in the huddle? He's really got hearing problems. Is it not being able to process what he's hearing properly, or is it being able to go out to the sideline and not hearing an audible that's coming in? Because you think about it, hmm. is there ever an easier audible environment than we've had in 2020? And I don't think Lamar audibles a lot. I don't think he even have the leeway to do that. I really don't. So I it, and I saw Jeff tweet something about that. I didn't get a chance to to look it up because I was in class at the time. But I saw it across my phone. So and I wanted to go back to it because when I saw Miles Borkin's name, it that kind of threw my antennas up. Yeah. And so I'm gonna go back and read it when we finish and see what that was. But to me, just off what you said, that's throwing a guy under the bus. Well, he, what he said in the end was that, and, and this is Jeff correcting it, and he went back to the transcript. And by the way, the transcript can sometimes be changed from what was actually said. But mm -hmm. he, Jeff went back to the transcript and looked at it and said that what the, the intention was by Urban was that he hadn't heard it in the huddle because he was working to move to his position too quickly. And then the, the you know, the, Boykin, if you've ever heard him speak, extremely smart guy. Yes. I mean, he's clearly a very smart guy. It's, it's got to be a matter of he's trying to overplay his position or, and he's you know, maybe overthinking the game in general, but, mm -hmm. he's, but he's not spending the time he needs to really just trying to understand that communication directly in the huddle. And you've no doubt run into all kinds of guys like that in real life who won't stand there and listen to you. They, they want to start running and doing the job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so, anyway. Yeah, but right, to but, me, without without any uh, you know 
more feedback from it, I feel like that's throwing a guy on the bus. So you th- you think Urban or or do you or do you blame Lamar for throwing Boykin on the bus? Because Urban is the one who said it. I'm gonna blame Urban because okay. he, he's a professional. He should know how to dance around situations to not you know to do that because just if if I'm Boykin. Say say Boykin takes that the same way I take it. Mm-hmm. Now you got a problem. Yeah, now he may not he may not come out and say something, but he's gonna be in his feelings when it comes to meetings or when it comes to you trying to coach me or if you say something crazy to me. And then they're they're in. I mean, obviously they're on the field together for practice, but they're also in different positional group meetings. Mm-hmm. So there's not there's not the same opportunity to interact and try and make that right the way it could be. But, right. He should to me he shouldn't even spoke on Boykin. Mm-hmm. He should have left that to the receivers coach. Well, and if if that's coming out in a press conference like that, it's probably already a problem behind the yes, scenes. Exactly. So it's probably not something where now he's upset Boykin. Him and Boykin already had an issue. But it's, it's public now, though, Josh. It, it was it was it was in house at first. Public private thing. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's probably going to lead towards if Lamar isn't clicking with this receiver, we got to bring in someone that he that Lamar can trust. Mm-hmm. And it's going to lead to that speculation. Yep. Well, I, you, I you hope can they get you can clean out. things up if you keep them in house. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. All right, all right. Well, that takes care of it of the film study mailbag for today, um, Coach. Let's get your uh, YouTube's and Twitter and TikToks and all that out. <laughs> well, no TikTok, but on YouTube it's sip the number two to tally uh, T A L L Y. Uh, Twitter it's Coach Evans nine and. Um, that's where you can find me. Uh, two to three films a week based off the game. We're in a bye week this week. So you'll get uh, probably a little bit more since we don't have a game coming up. You'll get some more analysis of the Eagles game. Or if not, I just may do a collabor- I mean, a collection of the game so far. But that's where you can find me at. And when you do subscribe, make sure you hit the bell so you can know when I drop them. Because I have late nights. Because I'm going to do one tonight after we finish. And it's about almost midnight. And it's a good thing you can teach in your sleep. And I understand <laughs> you teach with an earbud. We probably, hopefully, none of your own students will hear this, so that you're able to kind of take in things as you go, listen to podcasts while you're teaching and, and whatnot. Yep. I do, and especially with in this COVID, because I only have like five or six kids in there, so that's that's that kind of keeps me going. All right, man. All right, on the podcast front, we've got by the numbers coming out later this week as well no know your foe because it's a bye week and that would be a really boring know your foe <laughs> uh but next week we have our mid-season shows yeah looking forward to those brian uh mcfarland coming on to talk about value relative to cap for all the players on the ravens roster that'll be a lot of fun alex kazora is the steelers expert we'll have in next week you had him on before he's excellent a lot of fun to talk football with him uh so that'll be fun too we're gonna have at least um two by the numbers, and we might have three between now and the Steelers game. So that's something to look forward to as well. All right. Well, we will talk again soon. Thank you guys for having me.
Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.